Welcome to the New Hope Podcast. Our mission at New Hope is to engage our city with the love of Jesus, one relationship at a time. We pray this message encourages you in encountering God's love and displaying it to your city. We hope to see you soon. Ruth chapter 1 begins, In the days when the judges ruled there, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The story of Ruth in the book of Ruth is connected, even in the books of the Bible, we just got done with Judges, and Ruth is next. And if Judges is kind of a complete overview of a period of time that were the judges, where different judges ruled, and God used different people, not kings, they're a little different than kings, but judges, God used them to save His people and to bring them back unto Himself. That was the role of the judges. Well, the story of Ruth, as we see from verse 1, is kind of like a focused end story of just one of the events in that larger span of time. So if Judges is the overview, Ruth is one story just zoomed in. And it's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture because it is one of the clearest examples and the clearest stories where we see it point to Jesus. Some things to understand about the context that would just help us. The video just did a great job helping us understand some of these things. But one of the important things just for us to grasp and understand is that, um, uh, that Ruth was not an Israelite, that she was not of the uh, Hebrew tradition and of the Jewish faith, but she married someone who was in her town and in her place. And then when tragedy struck, she eventually went with her mother-in-law and moved back in uh, to Israel. So today, as we look at this passage, we want to kind of take some takeaways. One, we want to answer the question, how does this point to Jesus? Because it does in beautiful ways. But we also want to look at this passage in light of our context, and in light of what's going on in the world around us. And so today, I just want to give you three simple truths as we look at this passage and look how Ruth responds amidst tragedy. Truth number one is we see rooted relationships. Truth number two, we see radical generosity. And truth number three, we see redemptive inheritance. We will look at these in order. So first, as we just think about rooted relationships, tragedy hits Ruth's life. What does she do? We read the story and we recognize that there was uh, that Naomi had another daughter-in-law and there's this conversation in chapter one about how they're going to respond and what's going to happen. And the other daughter-in-law goes back to her family and, and is provided for by her family. Now recognize that in traditional cultures, that especially in the time of the Bible in this moment, it would have been difficult for Ruth and Naomi to provide for themselves. There's a reason why in the New Testament, that James says that true religion is that you take care of orphans and widows. Now, true religion doesn't mean you only take care of orphans and widows, but James specifically uses and mentions those two people, groups, because they were the most vulnerable within culture and they were not able to provide for themselves. An orphan had no family, uh, essentially, of any kind, no parents to provide for them. And if the church, if, if Christians or if others didn't step in and provide, who would provide for them? And that was very similar um, for widows. And so here we have um, both Naomi and Ruth being widows. What are they to do? The question of who is going to provide for them. And in this moment of tragedy, just like maybe some of us who may, for the first time this week, may have to come home from work, in moments of not just tragedy of the coronavirus, but the effects of that, not just on our health for many of us, but also just financially for most of us, 
What do we do? When Ruth, tragedy hits her life, and Naomi, when tragedy hits her life, what do they do? Where do they turn? They need help. They need provision. And the first thing we see is, I just want to challenge us today to how does this apply to our life, is we see from the very beginning rooted relationships and the effect that it has on the outcome of this story. When we look at Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, we see just a we see Ruth give an answer to Naomi. When Naomi was like, hey, go home, just leave me, I'll be okay. Go back to your family, they'll provide for you. Listen to what Ruth says in response. In Ruth chapter 1, in verse 15. If you don't have your Bibles in front of you, I would encourage you to do that. But if you don't, there's a Bible tab in the notes section that you can turn to and look at the passage along with me. But Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. And she said... See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So basically do what she has done also. But verse 16, Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Or basically, she did not continue to urge her to leave. You know, this passage alone, I think, could speak and challenge all of us in the days to come. See, here's this moment where Ruth had a decision to make. Ruth could have for her own self-benefit, chosen to go back to her family. If she went back to her family, it would have guaranteed that she could have been taken care of. It would have guaranteed more likely her prosperity. It would have guaranteed that she herself would have been taken care of. However, due to the rooted relationship that she had with Naomi, she made a decision and said, you know what, your well-being is more important than my well-being. And she made a decision That is a very passionate decision to the point that she said, if I were to do anything other, it's better for me just to die. Because here are the options that Ruth was looking at. I can leave my mother-in-law, my someone that I have a deep relationship with. I can leave her. I can go for my own well-being, but it might guarantee her death. But better yet, instead of me being provided for, instead of me making sure I'm taken care of, through rooted relationships and people she cares for, and out of a service to the God of the Bible, because she says, I'm not going back to my gods. I've already turned to your God. And because I turn to your God and worship your God, I will not focus on me, but I will focus on you. And I will make a decision that might be negative on me, but it will be the best for you. Church family, in this season, there's a couple of things that I just want to challenge us with. One, are you rooted in relationships? We said at the beginning of the service that, you know, New Yorkers live amongst a lot of people, but live pretty isolated lives in general. But that's definitely true in these days. And we're beginning to feel the weight of it. And you may even now watching this have begun to feel the weight of what it means to recognize that you don't have all that deep of relationships in your life. That right now you're living isolated and who do you turn to? And better yet, who's turning to you? And so the challenge is, as we look at rooted relationships, do you have them? Because you see in tragedy, you need them. And in tragedy and difficult moments, it's the relationships that are around you that matter. As a pastor, I have the opportunity 
to be at the front lines of seeing people towards the end of their life sometimes. Sometimes that's in the worst possible situations, but sometimes it's in situations with those who have lived full lives and even lived full lives and as Christians. But it's interesting that in the end of people's lives, when they're around their family, what do they talk about? They don't talk about their jobs. They, they don't talk about their money. They, they don't talk about all that they have. They talk about stories of when they did things together and when they hung out. And they talk about the people that are around them. See, it's interesting at the end of people's lives when they know it's the end of their life, they're not talking about that achievement at work. They're, they're not talking about the money they have. They're talking about the people that are around them. And I want to encourage you, it's in moments of tragedy, it's in moments where we see the vanity of the world around us and all these accolades or maybe these things we're going, when they're all stripped away due to a virus and we are temporarily forced to not focus on those things, what's left around you? And I want to encourage you that if you are not connected in rooted relationships, we gave some examples of how you can get connected. And you can go to newhopeny.org to find other ways that you can get connected safely from your home to other community. But maybe you're watching this and you would say, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm just checking out this live stream because I'm curious to how the church is going to respond in this season. I'm just curious to what's going on. And maybe you're here with curiosity. We want to say welcome. But we want you to hear the good news of the gospel. That in moments of tragedy, we recognize that we cannot be our own God. That we recognize that we cannot actually provide for ourselves but we actually need a rooted relationship and more than rooted relationships of other people we need a rooted relationship in christ because when you have tragedy hit and when you have difficult moments like this and you have uncertainty hit your life what gives you hope what gives you peace and i know that the christ that jesus christ and the gospel that says that Jesus loved me so much that He stepped into my tragedy and suffering and He died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and redeemed and so therefore I can be rooted with Him for all eternity. See, Jesus is the rooted relationship that all of us need in this season. And so if you're watching this and you would say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I, I encourage you, would you turn to Him? Would you ask questions? You can watch on our live stream right now and ask questions to others around through the chat bar and say, could you tell me more about this Jesus? Or go to our website and find ways to reach out to us. And I would love to have a Zoom call or meet you and be able to answer your questions. But here's what I know, is that Jesus has forever changed my life. And Jesus has given me eternal life. And Jesus has given me hope. And He can you too. Might you turn to Him in rooted relationship. Truth number two though, as we see Ruth and Naomi, they eventually go back to Israel. And when they get into Israel, they're still widows. And they still need help. They have one another. Praise God for that. But they still need food. And they still need to be taken care of. And one of the beautiful pictures of this story is that we see, truth number two, radical generosity. I want you to see what Boaz does for Ruth. Now, Boaz is a family member. Now, you've got to understand a little bit just the tradition and how God set it up in a Jewish custom and in the Bible for people to be provided for in the Old Testament. So basically, if you're in Ruth's situation and your husband has passed and you're a widow, it is the responsibility of the nearest family member to take you in and to marry you and to provide for you. It, it was a safeguard to protect the, the widows from not having anything and not being able to take care of. Well, Boaz is one of those family redeemers that is within 
um, Naomi's family. Therefore, Ruth is now connected to it. And so Ruth encounters Boaz and, and she goes and begins to glean. Now, this is also an important uh, Old Testament truth is that uh, the Old Testament tells us that for those farmers, that when you are taking in your crops, leave some of the food around the edge for those that don't have it. I just want to pause for a second and I just want to speak to the reality that many of us may not be affected by the disease of, the, uh, of COVID-19 directly, but we are affected by the financial. All of us are. And then some of you are going to suffer more financially in the days to come than others. And I want to encourage those that are, are not struggling as much, who are able to work from home and are continued to able to work, that there's a principle that we see in the story that God gives an abundance to the farmers and He encourages to leave some so that those who need help can have provision in the days to come, we're going to need radical relationships, or excuse me, we're going to need rooted relationships and radical generosity towards others, not just within our church, but within our community. And so if, if God is blessing you in this season, meaning you're still able to work and you still have that income and you're not going to miss that income, might you begin to make sacrifices so that you can have and provide for those tomorrow that are going to need it. Boaz uh, gives a beautiful picture of this because he allows Ruth to not only go and be like a foreigner who just takes some food on the outside, but he recognizes her and he says, who is that? And he finds out who it is and he invites her in to not just glean from the outside, but to come and glean and eat with him directly. Look at Ruth chapter two, beginning of verse eight. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Now, Paul's. this is also an important thing, is that he is not only providing for her needs, but he's also protecting her from harm that might come upon her. Have I not ordered the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. You don't even have to get the water. They'll get it for you. Just drink it. See his generosity? He's not just giving her leftovers. He's inviting her into the best of what he has. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has, full, has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. See, I want you to see here that Boaz protects her and he pours out radical generosity on her. He sees that she made a sacrifice where she could have left Naomi back at the beginning of the story and gone back to her family. But remember, because of that rooted relationship, she sacrificed and says, it is not about me, but it's about you. And I want to help you. Even in the last couple of weeks, just watching you, New Hope, love others. We've had those that have been in need. 
And I have the confidence as the pastor, and I love this, that I know that if I put the need out there, it'll be met as soon as possible because you are willing to serve. And so I see this modeled well in our church, and I just want to commend you. And I just want to say this is one of the reasons I love being your pastor. Would you continue to not store, but would you give away? Would you recognize that God has blessed you for such a time as this in order to bless others? Even practically, and just to talk to New Hope for a second is, We've had conversations about do we buy a building, do we not buy a building, and I'm not saying we should or shouldn't buy a building tomorrow, but what I am grateful for is that today we don't own a building. Why? Because that allows us to free up our resources in the days to come to be able to help those in need. And so even us as a church, leadership, we're having conversations of how can we in or be more radical generously to others, and how can we take some things that we're planning to do with this, and how can we give to others And I want to encourage you in the days to come, would you be just as radical, not just to new hopers, but to your neighbor, to others around. When the world is buying every piece of toilet paper that they can find, and when the world is getting every little thing that they can, and they're storing it up for themselves, might you be like Ruth and go, you know what, I'm not storing up for myself, but God has given me so that I can give to others. Let us radically give. We say it at New Hope all the time. That success for us is not how many people we have in the seats, but how many people we send out. Not how much money we have in the bank account, but about how much we give away. Such a time as this for us to model this. Might we be people who do not store up, but might we be people who radically give away. And see from this, Ruth radically gave even to Naomi by being with her. And we see God bless her. Now, God blesses us, and we're going to see from the story that when we choose Him, and we choose to trust Him, we choose to be sacrificial, He will always give back. Maybe not in the ways we think, but we see in the story of Ruth that God provides for Ruth because of her faithfulness. Might we be a church that is faithful in this season? Might we be countercultural to our, the people around us who are storing up, but instead might we show the gospel by giving away? Because Jesus, Philippians 2 tells us, that He did not stay in glory and leave us in our sin and shame. But instead, he gave up all of that for a moment. And he, in John chapter 1, took on flesh so that he could walk amongst us. Jesus is the most radical, radically generous person we've ever seen. He gave up eternal life in a sense. He still has it. Don't miss what I'm saying. But in a moment, he took on death on the cross for you and I. He bore our guilt and our shame so that we would never have to feel that. And then we see the truth and the beauty that he didn't just die, but he was resurrected from the grave. And that is the moment and the victory of our sin being forgiven if we call upon him. And so see that we're not calling the church to be radical for the sake of being radical only, but it's because it's an opportunity to model Jesus and he has given us everything. So might we give others in return. So truth number one, we see rooted relationship. Truth number two, we see radical generosity. But truth number three, we see redemptive inheritance. In chapter four, verse 13, we see a beautiful thing. But before I read it, I want you to see something. Boaz did not just provide for her. See, Boaz did not just clear her debts. Boaz did not just give her needs. But Boaz, in truth number three, he marries her. And what happens is she went from just being someone that he helped to being someone that not only just gave in order to help her, not just only give in order to meet her needs, not only just give in order to clear her debts, 
but by marrying her, she gets all of his inheritance. See, when we look at the story of Jesus, this is how it points to Jesus the clearest. And so let me read Ruth chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, or excuse me, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you to this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Now there's some important questions to ask that will help us understand how this points to Jesus. First, I want us to see that when the women speak over Naomi, what, what do they say? It says, the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. So the, the person they're talking about is a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. Now, the important point I want to point out is the may. May his name be renowned. See, she's referring to a future person. They're referring to the child and the lineage of that child It's not referring to Boaz. Boaz is a redeemer to Ruth. But the redeemer they're referring to is a redeemer that is great in Israel. It's not just Ruth's redeemer, but it's the redeemer of Israel. It's the redeemer of God's people, which is specifically why the story ends with the lineage. If you read the end of chapter 4, it ends with explaining how this child is connected to King David, who we're going to begin to talk about in the coming weeks, but King David, or excuse me, it's important that the, that the Bible is pointing that this child, who they say would be a great redeemer, is connected to King David. Because King David would become a great redeemer to Israel in the Old Testament. Well, then how does that point to Jesus? And here's how it points to Jesus. It's because King David is one of the best characters in the Old Testament that speaks to the Messiah. See, King David was a great king, and King David, there was a covenant made with King David. We've been talking about covenants throughout this series, but there was a a covenant made with King David, and here's the covenant, that through your line, David, there will always be a king on the throne for all eternity. Now, they, in the immediate context, thought that just meant that, that Israel, more specifically Judah, would always have a king that was connected to David. But yes, that's true, but even more so, it's pointing to the fact that the great Messiah, as we read the rest of the Old Testament, we're going to see that they are looking for a Redeemer even greater than David. And one of the keys to the Redeemer, or the Messiah, who we believe is Jesus in the New Testament, is that He would be of the lineage of David. Which is why when you go to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew begins his gospel with the lineage. And he connects Jesus to David. Why? Because he was saying that Jesus is the Redeemer that David referred to and that Ruth talked about. When we talk about the one that is born, I want us to see that through the story of Ruth and it in Scripture, it's pointing to the Redeemer and the Messiah that Matthew is talking about in Matthew chapter 1. That there is going to come one through Ruth, through Obed, who is the son that is mentioned here, who is the grandfather of, of David, and through David, there is going to become the Messiah that is going to be the Redeemer of all the world. And I want us to see 
that that Redeemer is Jesus. But I want us to see how truth number three is so beautiful to us. See, because truth number two, we see radical generosity. We see Boaz be generous to Ruth and he provides for her. But truth number three, he marries her. So he, he doesn't just cover her debt, but he gives her an inheritance that's even greater. The same is true with Christ. Christ doesn't just cover up our sin. Christ doesn't just forgive us of our sin and our debt, but he forgives those things and then he also invites us into his inheritance. That's why Ephesians chapter 1 would say this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus isn't someone who just forgives us of our sins. He does that, absolutely. But he does more than that. He doesn't just take away our guilt and our shame, but he invites us into an inheritance for all eternity. We're a part of his family. And everything that Jesus has, we have. Everything that Boaz has, we see that Ruth got. And so as we look at the redemptive inheritance in the story of Ruth, might you see that Jesus is the one who gave his life to be radically generous to you, but more than just be generous, he is inviting you into an eternal redemptive and inheritance for all eternity. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you, might you turn to him? What does it mean to be a Christian? What it means to be a Christian is that you live surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. That you call upon him as Lord. Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that's not just meaning you say something, but believing in your heart. The heart is the core of your being. When you say and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're like Ruth in Ruth chapter 1 that says, I will be loyal to you even if it costs me my life because being loyal to you is more important than my life. When you give your life to Jesus, just like Ruth, you're making a sacrifice. You're choosing to give up the things of this world. You're choosing to give up the trust of this world. And you're going, Jesus, I trust you. I, I give it all to you. And the story of Ruth tells us that when we surrender our life to Jesus, when we make him the Lord of our lives, when we turn to him, when we give him our life, he gives it back to us. And he gives it back to us better than before. Now, once again, that may not always be what we think or look like what we think. But I tell you, and I promise you, the inheritance that he gives you in response is far greater than anything this world can give you. Might you turn to Jesus today? Church, would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we worship you. And Father, I pray right now over everybody as they're in their homes and they're watching this. Jesus, I pray for those that are followers of you already that they would see and hear the truths of this story. That they would be encouraged by this story. They'd be encouraged to, to stay connected in rooted relationships. They'd be encouraged to be radically generous to others. And then might they be encouraged that you have given them a redemptive inheritance. That you have given them everything so that they can have everything. They can have what's best. They may not have all the things of this world, but that's nothing compared to the riches of you and knowing you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And so, Father, might you encourage them that in these times of uncertainty, when things are taken away from them, guess what? You still have them. And guess what? They still have you. They have not lost that inheritance, but you have wrapped them up for all eternity. So when this, the things of this world fade us, you never fade. That you are constant. You are good. You are Lord. And so might they be encouraged today. 
And then Jesus, I pray for those that are watching this that do not know you as Lord and Savior. That they've, been, they've faced tragedy and they don't know where to turn. Might they turn to you? Jesus tells us in Matthew that if you're all who are weary, all who are heavy laden with burdens, would you turn to Jesus? And He will give you peace. He will comfort you. He will give you life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you see today that you can turn to Jesus? That He can pour out His life. He can pour out His grace on you. Would you surrender to Him as Lord? In just a moment, we're just going to continue to sing and worship. And I just want to encourage you, would you just take a moment and would you glorify Jesus for being the Lord and Savior of your life? Charles, I want to invite you at this time. Would you come? Would you lead us in worship together? We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is newhopenyc. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.